What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we address cultural and church issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring you biblical truth despite what the popular movements of the day teach or those people who really believe that Todd White can grow legs out. (laughs) (laughs) We are on Patreon. So if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. We do have a variety of plans and we are going to be posting extra content on there. Um, So the only way to get that is to be a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, that's the only way to get it. That is, that's it. Uh, but if you would like to to just make a one-time donation, Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so your donation is tax-deductible. So make sure you write a really big check so you get a really big tax deduction. I'm just saying. Man, no shame in my game right there. <laughs> nope. Yeah, so reach out if if that's how you would like to donate. Uh, but today we are continuing in our look at Arianism. Last week we gave some some historical context, some of the some of the background setting, uh, what took place. We talked about the Council of Nicaea. We talked about Arius. We talked about Athanasius. Uh, but this week we're going to be looking at how this ancient heresy is actually infecting the church today, and we are also. Uh, going to be looking at what scripture has to say about the nature of Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, th- there are a few questions that all of us as human beings have to ask. Um, first and foremost is what is man's greatest need? And man's greatest need, of course, as A.W. Pink would say, is to have a saving knowledge. I'm paraphrasing. Have a saving knowledge more than just a general knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ through him. So the, the, the second question that we have to ask is, who was Jesus? Um, and what we believe and who we believe Jesus to be really does matter. Um, and And so... Because of of who Jesus is, the, the the third question is, what will you do with him? Yeah, what will you do with Jesus? And so, uh, there have been and conti- there there have been and there will continue to be um, struggles um, and uh, issues uh, with the natures the natures yeah the natures of Christ. We can yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start tonight by quoting from a confession of faith that we've never quoted on matter of theology. And uh, my thanks to my brother, Daryl Harrison of the Just Thinking podcast for bringing this confession to my attention. Um, This is from the Belgic Confession of Faith. Uh, And this is Article 18. It says this, quote, We confess, therefore, that God did fulfill the promise which he made to the fathers by the mouth of his holy prophets when he sent into the world at the time appointed by him, his own only begotten and eternal son who took upon him the form of a servant and became like unto man, really assuming the true human nature with all its infirmities, sin accepted, being conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Ghost, without the means of man, and did not only assume human nature as to the body, but also 
a true human soul, that he might be a real man. For since the soul was lost as well as the body, it was necessary that he should take both upon him to save both. Therefore, we confess in opposition to the heresy of the Anabaptists to deny that Christ assume, hu- assumed human flesh of his mother, that Christ be- that Christ is become a partaker of flesh and blood of the children, that he is a fruit of the loins of David after the flesh, made of the seed of David according to the flesh, a fruit of the womb of the Virgin Mary, made of a woman, a branch of David, a shoot of the root of Jesse, sprung from the tribe of Judah, descended from the Jews according to the flesh, the seed of Abraham, since he took on him the seed of Abraham and became like unto his brethren in all things sin accepted, so that in truth he is our Emmanuel, that is to say, God with us, close quote. I know that was long, but uh, it is important to remember all of those things about the Lord Jesus Christ. So as AG already stated, we discussed last episode, the natures of Christ have been something that have been highly debated since the first century. Uh, Jesus himself defended his deity multiple times in scripture. We see that in John 1, Mark 2. Paul was dealing with it in his day, 1 Corinthians 15. You fast forward to the 4th century and the Council of Nicaea, the 5th century, the 19th century, and again today. And the scary part is the attacks, for the most part, have come from inside the church, not outside. That's right. So uh, with those attacks, you end up having people that, that run off to the left and the right sides of the road, if you will. And, and Dr. R.C. Sproul, and we are recording this on Dr. Sproul's 81st birthday. Um, so, but he, what, what he said, he uses terms in, in a broad sense. He says liberal and conservative. From the liberal side, they deny deity. Um, and, uh, and so what happens on the, or or, yeah, they deny deity. They focus on humanity, reducing Christ to a quote, good person, close quote on the conservative side. They overcompensate for the liberal side, which denies the reality of his human nature. And we need to aim to stay on the road, holding firmly to that, uh, the, the, the Chalcedonian definition that Christ is, very homo and very ds truly man truly god so we wanted to talk about how that affects the church how it has infected the church today and go ahead man yeah well uh you know some of that when you were talking about the the conservative side that tries to overly compensate uh the liberal side you see uh some of that in in really in the first century with early gnosticism yeah uh, now what it what that did is it meant that that because Jesus was God, he would not uh defile himself by being in a actual human form. He just appeared to be in a human form, but he was really just just fully God, so that kind of when you swing the pendulum too far. On the other side, you still end up with a heresy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you uh, want to keep it right in the middle. If 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 Christ wasn't truly God, no salvation. That's right. If God, if Jesus was not truly man, uh, all the rights therein to sin accepted, as the Belgic Confession of Faith said, no salvation. 
That's right. It doesn't work without both natures. That's right. It has to be because, uh, I mean, just taking the human nature. Now, the human nature, we never want to downplay the human nature because we need, we need a savior that is able to sympathize with us. We need a savior that has been tempted in the same way that we have been so that uh, when he goes to the cross, he represents us on the cross. We need our actual physical representation on the cross. Well, God required a human sacrifice. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it, it had to be. We, um, that, that doesn't work. We just, Jesus just can't appear here as God. Right. Well, that's that, because that that I mean, the, the the animal sacrifices were only temporary. Now, it wasn't animals that sinned against God. It was man correct, that sinned correct. against God, which is why God needs a human sacrifice in order to satisfy his wrath against humanity. Boom. So, yeah, man, nailed it. So um, now our goal on matter of theology is never to be divisive. But truth can be divisive. Uh, so one of the first avenues that we see an incorrect view of Christ, um, uh, whether you know, uh, whether it be Arian uh, heresy, Nestorian, uh, the 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 monophysites, uh, you know, uh, w- w- doesn't matter what that is. But one of the one of the main ways that we have seen that and continue to see that in the church today is through the Roman Catholic Church, and. Uh, there have been many recently guys like Francis Chan, who has said just from an ecumenical standpoint, from a unity standpoint, that uh, the Protestant church needs to put aside their differences and they need to they need to unite uh, with the Catholic church. Um, and so that's a good question, right? Is that something we can do? Can we, uh, as Protestants, join with um, uh, lock arms with, uh, those who hold to Roman Catholicism. Um, and the answer to that question is no. Um, and there are many, many errors, uh, that we see inside the Roman Catholic church. Um, but the two of the main ones, um, is they, they deny sola scriptura, first and foremost. Um, and then they have an erroneous and absolutely errant view, not inerrant and errant view of justification. Uh, that, that, that is an incorrect view according to scripture, um, of what Christ has done. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a false form of, of Christianity. It's not true Orthodox Christianity. And that, you know, that, that, that's why the Reformation happened. Uh, you know, Martin Luther, um, even before he was converted, saw the issue, um, before he was actually a believer, that the Roman Catholic Church was adding to uh, Scripture a whole host of human traditions. Um, and if you haven't listened to uh, us and talking about the Reformation, we really got into that uh, pretty extensively in the month of October. So go back and listen to that. So, um, but what what the Roman Catholic says, a Roman Catholic Church says, is they, they say that the Word of God is not just Scripture, but it's the Apocrypha, it's the Magisterium, and and that's that's the Church's authority to teach. Uh, and then, of course, interpret the truth. And and I've had Catholic friends of mine say, "Well, well, you, you're not speaking correctly because you don't know how to interpret the scriptures." <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, I mean, I've had people say that to me. Um, and well, let's just, let's look at this. Let's look at yeah, yeah. the Pope is referred to as an Alter Christus, which is another Christ. Now, <laughs> now we had the Christ who came and and bore our sins on the cross, and he he was our high priest. He was our mediator. Now we Christ is our mediator. The mediator, the one who comes between us and God, so that in order for us to get to God, we have to go through Christ. Right. The Pope is not our mediator. We right. don't have to go through the Pope to get through Christ to get through to God. We go straight through Christ to God. Yeah, and one of the things that you see is the the Roman Catholic Church will say that the, you know, well, the Church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. Um, well, exactly, they're the pillar that hold. You're, the Church is supposed to be the pillar that holds the truth. The pillar itself is not the truth, right? Um, and 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 that is incorrect. Uh, I mean, it, now you've heard us on matter of theology, and and you'll you'll hear a lot of the people that we encourage you guys to listen to talk about creeds and confessions and doctrinal statements and, and they're great, but remember it all has to be held up by, to the lens or, or, or through the lens of scripture tested against the backdrop of scripture uh, to quote Dr. John MacArthur quote scripture itself is thus the sole and binding rule of faith and practice for all Christians. Uh, the, the, the Bible takes priority um, over the church always, mm -hmm. always, always, always. So, um, so it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, R Roman Catholics believe that the church is infallible, that the church is inerrant. Uh, and that is, and, and, and then they end up, they end up, you know, taking, and, and you guys can't see me, but I'm holding my hands up. <laughs> they end up taking the scriptures and which is the truth. Thanks. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And they, they, they supplement the church above that and say mm -hmm. that the church is the truth. Um, and, and, and that's not it. The, the, they've, they've refused to submit themselves to God's word. So God's word talks about justification. Um, how, how they view justification is not something that is, you're not declared righteous, that you are over time progressively made more righteous. Um, and that is, that is, a, a taking again, taking scripture and twisting it, um, to, to fit an agenda. Um, that they, they say that the means of justification is, is not by faith. It's, it's through the sacrament of baptism, you know, uh, that they hold the sacraments up to be, again, to be above, uh, above, uh, the, 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 what we see in the five solas. Um, and of course that's, that's completely antithetical to what the Bible teaches. Um, I, I mean, scripture is clear that, um, justification is, is immediate. That's right. That, uh, when regeneration happens, you're given the faith to believe you are immediately justified. Um, and, and again, not to keep plugging us, but we've talked about a lot of this. Go listen to the Ordo Salutis. Go listen to Nick and I when we talked about Christology. I actually listened to that this week in preparation for this episode, um, uh, which was kind of fun to listen to you, your own episode because I was like, oh man, I forgot that we said that. Um, you know, so so second ju justification. Remember, we are declared righteous. It is it is a it is a forensic declaration. You are made righteous. 
you know, and then it's 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 imputed righteousness. It's credited to our account to the ones who the, for those who believe. And that's again, all this is found in Scripture. That's in Romans four, um, and and it's by faith alone, not faith plus works. Uh, faith is the root; the works are the fruit, as Doctor Stephen Lawson says. Um, so the Roman Catholics they 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 stress works. You can lose your salvation, um, you know, uh, and and that is not basically Roman Catholics believe it has started, not it is finished. Right. Um, so, um, man, any, anything to add there before we talk about transubstanti- transubstantiation and the natures of Christ? No, I think you pretty much covered it. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I mean, unless you want to get into, you know, the false worship of of saints and Mary, which is which is ironic in itself, because (sighs) what happened when when in Acts 10, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius and they bowed down to worship him, what did he say? He said, I, too, am a man just like you. (laughs) But yet we see we see the Catholic Church worshiping saints like Peter and. Well, when you read the the Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat, you you clearly see she needed a savior. Uh, not to mention that Christ re- did rebuke his own mother. Uh, if if she were of divine descent, that would not have had to take place. And so again, it is it is human tradition uh, added to you know added to scripture. I mean, th- there are many inside the I want to say it's the Catholic Church who also be- you know came up with these fictional stories of Jesus uh, in his early childhood building mud pies and they turn into birds so he could had, had something to play with. Yeah, I read that today. Uh, craziness. Um, but again, to, you know, Josh says this all the time, and we we continue to say this. It all comes back to the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sp- the reason I chose to talk about the Catholic Church is because every Sunday all over the world, millions of people come forward to receive the Lord's Supper in Mass. And those inside the Catholic faith believe that the elements are transformed into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. All the while, the elements are still in the form of bread and wine. They say that his body and his blood can be in multiple places at the same time by what's called the communication of attributes, meaning that his divine nature communicates the divine powers and the attributes to the human nature, Mm -hmm. the main one there being omnipresence. And of course, what that ends up doing is deifying the human nature, no longer making it human. And remember what we talked about, we, we just said it, and that doesn't work concerning what is needed for justification and salvation to take place. And, and the reformers taught that the physical human nature of Christ ascended into heaven, right? That's where he is. Right. That's where, that's where the person, the physical person of Jesus Christ is. Right. See, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, and, and, and John 16, 16, uh, Jesus, Jesus actually says that I, I'm going to, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. Like, I mean, he, he, he says that. And, and so again, this is, this is, this is the Roman Catholic church adding to uh, scripture. So considering everything that we've already discussed, I, I mean, I hope everybody can see how this view of Christ, uh, as far as the Lord's Supper, is erroneous and heretical. Um, they believe that the human body and blood of Jesus Christ is in a multitude of different places all over the world at the same time. Now, hang with me here, because I 
I dove into this, uh, and, and it hurt my brain a little bit. And so, uh, but I kept studying it and it, it has blown me away. Okay. God is everywhere, right? He's yeah. omn- omnipresent. Omnipresent. That's, That's right. it. However, uh, and, and remember all of the attributes of God apply to each member of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. God, the father is everywhere. God, the son is everywhere. God, the spirit is everywhere, omnipresent, mm-hmm. everywhere. Right now, the difference is okay that that the omnipresence is a divine attribute, not a human attribute. Correct. In his divine nature, he has no body. Okay, right. no body. Guess what that means? No blood. So remember, John four, the Samaritan woman. Christ says to her that God is spirit. Okay, we see that as well in Philippians three. So. We have to remember that his natures retain their own attributes in Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. His, those attributes are in one person, not yes. two persons. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't have two sons of God that, that, that has also been deemed heretical throughout church history. So two things can, and in this case must be separated. And, and, and when it comes to the two, well, I'm sorry, let me, let me repeat that sentence again. Cause I totally butchered it. <laughs> two things can, and in this case must be separated when it comes to the two natures of one person, body and soul that goes for us as well. Right. Mm-hmm. The literal body and blood of Jesus cannot be transubstantiated. And, and because those are human attributes, human nature. Mm-hmm. Okay. And his human attributes cannot be in multiple places at one time. Correct. Okay. Right. And that was one of the chief complaints of the reformers is during the council of, of Chalcedon, Rome, Rome would confess verbally that they held to that, but with their practice of the mass, they were in action doing what was completely antithetical to what scripture teaches and what the council said. Nowhere in scripture do you find what Rome was and is teaching? Right. So that is, is absolutely crucial to remember that this point here, the person of Jesus Christ has always been and is still truly and fully God and truly and fully man. Mm -hmm. When the second member of the Trinity became incarnate, God's divine attributes and nature did not cease. Okay. This includes and is not limited to his omnipresence. So, what that means for communion is this, and I'm going to read a quote, uh, another quote from Dr. R.C. Sproul. Uh, this is from his book, Truths We Confess, where he uh, systematically unpacks the Westminster Confession of Faith. And he says this, quote, that is why we can say when it comes to the Lord's Supper that we enter into communion with the risen Christ. He is with us by virtue of his divine nature. When we commune with the divine in the Lord's Supper, we commune with the whole person because Christ's divine nature is not separated from his human nature. The person is here, but only by way of his divine omnipresence, not by bringing his body with him. Right. Close quote. Yeah, yeah. this is the, the communication of attributes. This is so, so to give you an example, let's take uh, in John 1 where... where Jesus is calling his disciples. Okay. Now you, Philip goes and gets Nathaniel, right? And, and brings Nathaniel back. 
And and Nathaniel asked the question of Jesus, you know, how do you know me? And what is Jesus's reply? Before Philip went to get you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that Jesus went there and actually saw him under the fig tree. It was because of the divine attribute of omnipresence that Jesus has because of his divine nature. Nailed but it. It is held within the one person of Christ. That's right. That's right. Amen and right on, brother. Amen and right on. So the Westminster Confession of Faith says this in chapter 8, paragraph 3, quote, The Lord Jesus in his human nature thus united to the divine was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. So... Uh, I, I wanted to, to, to read that, um, and that, that kind of brings me to my second example of how we see the nature of Christ maligned, and again, specifically having to do with this Arian heresy, how we see that in the church today. So notice that sentence, the Lord Jesus in his human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. Um, so this is something that, that we, again, and I've said this, each each attribute applies to all the members of the Trinity, right? There's no difference between the divine nature of Christ and the Holy Spirit, right? As far as the divine attributes that each possess. Right. Remember, one God, three persons, one being. So the human nature of Christ is united with the divine nature of the second person of the Trinity, meaning that the human nature of Christ is also united to the father and the Holy spirit. Correct. Yes. So the Westminster confession points out that Jesus's baptism at Jesus's baptism, he was anointed with the Holy spirit and he was empowered. His human nature is what was empowered. Right. To do all that he was sent to do by the Father, to fulfill his role as Messiah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one who is anointed is what that means. Christos in the Greek. His title means just that. So, <laughs> and if you've listened to the podcast ever, ever. <laughs> In any given period of time, you know that we are not, me especially, <laughs> and I wrote that in my notes, me especially, fans of Bethel Church in Redding, California. We, we can't talk about Arian heresy and Christological erroneous views and not mention them. Right. Especially in today, because this is active heresy, as Costi Hinn points out. This is mm-hmm. this is active heresy that we see happening. We see this coming from Bill Johnson, who is their pastor, a self-appointed apostle, one who has um, he's the author of of numerous books um, that do more damage than good, in my opinion, um, uh, and one of the most erroneous and egregious errors that he teaches is that you and I are the same Jesus. As the, as the, I'm sorry, not the same Jesus, the same as Jesus. The same as Jesus. That's yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even, even Todd White will say, we have the same genetic makeup and DNA as, as the divine father. That dude just needs to stay in the gym and <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he just needs to lay off the steroids, man. 
Bro, I, I can tell he's, he he's huge. I can I can tell he's on steroids. I know it. I know it. I can tell. Yeah, he's, yeah, man. I, we, I, I, I've known guys who have been on steroids. I have to. It's I have, the exact same. I, yeah, I have to. It, it, he's on some sort of not natural supplement. We'll put it that way. Yeah, that's a nice way to do it. There we go. Uh, so Bill Johnson uh, clearly rejects the divine nature of Christ when he was on the earth uh, incarnate. He, he rejected now, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now this, I, I want to make this distinction. Because people are going to go to Bethel's website, they're going to go to Lifestyle Christianity, they're going to go to all these places, and on their website, in their statements of faith, it's going to say, we believe that Jesus is God. They're, it's going to say that in some form, but they they believe he's God now, Correct. but they don't believe that while he was here on earth, he was fully God. And that's exactly why I worded it the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so here, th- these are direct quotes out of the mouth of Bill Johnson. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, this is how he starts the second chapter of when heaven invades earth. He says this quote, he being Jesus performed miracles, wonders, and signs as a man in right relationship to God, not as God. If he performed miracles because he was God, then they would be unattainable for us. Close quote. Hold on. What's the listening to that? What's the goal in that? The whole goal with that is to be able to do signs and miracles. It's not to come to Jesus uh, as our savior, as God, it's to, it's, it's so that we can be able to do signs and miracles. Okay. So in, in the, the, the beautiful, beautiful passage of Mark, uh, uh chapter of Mark, uh, Mark chapter two, the paralytic was he- healed. We all have probably heard this story. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to read, uh, through, um, do, 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 through verse 13, hang with me. Okay. This is important. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men being unable to get to him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him and went and, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Sons, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. That's through verse 11. We'll stop there. Notice a couple of things here. The Pharisees saw it. Verse 7, why is he speaking this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Mm -hmm. If Jesus was just a man, 
taking the taking the the need for Jesus to be the God man, taking that out of it. If Jesus were just a man, he would not have been able to forgive this man's sins. That's right. He would not have been in a, in a, a man with right relationship to God would not have been able to forgive sins. Because if you if you follow that to its logical conclusion, then guess what that means is that that Jesus was no better than Paul. And that is not at all what the Apostle Paul has said. Right. The that Apostle is Paul not, made clear. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so to say that is is completely flies in the face of of what Jesus said about his own divinity what we see in the gospels um and, you know and the sad part is man i've had people you've had the same people defend bill johnson and this specific quote we mm-hmm. have had people in calling themselves reformed defend this to us and say you can't tell me that jesus wasn't a man that did what he did by the power of the holy spirit and I said, yes, I can, because that's not who he was. That's not the whole story. Right. That's not the whole picture. So I digress a little bit, and I get a little fired up about this because it's active and it's happening now. And I've had friends of mine and people who have been led astray and hurt by this. By this, and we'll just say this. Mm-hmm. So where does Bill Johnson get this? Well, it, I mean, he, he traces his history and theology to people like uh, Edward Irving, who is considered to be the first quote reformed Pentecostal? Okay, he he believed. Uh, he he said this quote. Um, this is this is Edward Irving saying this, uh, and he lived from 1792 to 1834. He said quote uh, that Christ in nature was made the same as man, and thus we can be made like him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's also you know traces of of Mormon theology as well, where God, where Joseph Smith actually taught that God was as once as you are, and as God is, you may become. Right. So it's the idea of working towards Godhood. Right, right, right. Which also, if you get into to Bethel as well, you know, teachings of Chris Vallotton and, and some of the other prosperity teachers, it's the little God's doctrine. Yep. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, T.D. Jakes uh, mm-hmm. t- teaches the same thing. So further in his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, uh, uh, Phil, jo- uh, I did it again. Bill Johnson, <laughs> not Phil Bill, Johnson, not Phil. Phil, Bill with a B, not Phil with a P.H. We love we Phil like Phil. We love Phil yeah. Johnson. We love Phil. Um, uh, Bill Johnson says this, the name of Jesus, quote, the name of Jesus implies that Jesus is the one smeared or anointed with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and what he is doing there is he is absolutely misusing the term of Christ. He is absolute. It's a blatant misuse of the title of Christ, um, stating that Jesus absolutely had no power without being anointed the Holy Spirit. Now, remember why that's incorrect. Okay. We've talked about this already concerning the two natures of Christ. The second member of the Trinity is still truly and fully God, um, mm-hmm. and therefore co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and with the Spirit. That And remember also, what did the Holy Spirit come to do? Point, Point to, to Jesus. Yep. Now, he goes on, uh, Johnson goes on stating things like Jesus laid his divinity aside, and he just lived this life as a man in right relationship to God. Now, 
historically what this points to is what's called uh canonic theology okay um and it and, and and let me back up for a second because this is what makes this stuff so dangerous right Be, we we have to affirm that there are little nuggets of truth right uh but but they're masked the the poison is masked by these little nuggets of truth we we affirm that the work of the messiah his earthly ministry the earthly ministry of jesus christ had to be carried out, we already said it, by a human person anointed by the Holy Spirit. But when people like Bill Johnson get this way wrong because they have an agenda, just like Drew said, they're wanting the, the healings and the signs and wonders, um, that, that's what makes it heretical. Um, and to quote uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul again on his birthday, quote, from the time he was born, Jesus was God incarnate, and his human nature was a perfect union with the divine nature. We, we, we can't hold to the kenotic theology. So, Drew, what is kenotic theology? Yeah, so uh, kenotic theology is basically the teaching that Jesus, when he became incarnate, he emptied himself of all divinity. So he wasn't fully God and fully man. When he was on earth, he was just fully man. So he set his deity aside, and he took on all the characteristics, all the, the the full nature of man while he was here, and he lived only as man, but as man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we wouldn't deny that. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. We would not deny that. That's right. That's right. But, but lived as man, filled with the Holy Spirit, in right relationship with God. Now, there again, there's truth in there. But the false part is the fact is the teaching that Jesus completely laid down his his divinity. Now, this is where they get this teaching from. Yeah, they get it from Philippians two, and this is where uh, Paul writing, speaking. Uh, we'll start in verse five. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who, although he existed in the form of God, this would, this would actually be uh, homoousios in the same nature, in the same essence, in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. That's where that's where canonic theology comes from. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Now, this emptying himself is not actually he he's taking his divinity and and casting it off. What he's doing is is he's veiling it that's right. through the humanity. And we see this in the Mount of Transfiguration. If you go look at the Gospels and you read the accounts of the uh, of Jesus taking three of his disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, what does he do? He reveals, he pulls back the veil mm -hmm. and reveals the glory of his deity. And it, you see it still fully intact. Yep. He hasn't laid it aside. It's just veiled in his humanity. Yeah. So this is where they get this idea of canonic theology that Jesus emptied himself. Uh, now, the reason Paul is saying this is he's saying this. We should not aspire to be in the position of God. 
we should not be working to obtain godhood. We should not be uh, striving to be as God is. What we should be doing is we should be striving to be servants of one another. That's what this this term, you've heard us say it numerous times, the bondservant, Mm. the doulos, the third level galley slave, the under rower. This is what Jesus did was he humbled himself. He left his throne in heaven, came down in the likeness of man, not just in the likeness of man, but as a servant, the lowliest of the low. And you, you actually see that um, after the last supper where Christ girds himself with a cloth and he washes the feet of the disciples. That was the lowest position you could take is washing someone's feet. Right. That's right. And so he humbled himself to be a servant. And that is the mindset that we should have, humbling ourselves, continually serving one another. That's right. I mean, when you look at that passage in Philippians in context, uh, you know, you could even back up to the first part uh, or the the last part of chapter one when he says, you know, only conduct yourselves in in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel um you know not promoting superiority not promoting uh not 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 being broken um in in unification um and and saying you need to consider others needs above your own uh don't be prideful don't be boastful but be humble be like christ who added to himself humanity And by Mm -hmm. adding to himself humanity, that's what Paul meant by emptying himself, by wrapping the puny form, the puny flesh of humanity around divinity. That's what Paul was getting at. Yeah. Now, if you read a lot of the the old theologians, this is what's called the humility of Christ. That's right. Yeah. Wrapping himself in the humility of man. He's coming. He's he's bringing himself down to our level. Yep is what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, and Bill Johnson, I mean, he, he, he continues to, <laughs> he, he continues to say things, uh, in, in his books and, um, you know, uh, and again, it kind of sounds an awful lot like, um, like, you know, Edward Irving, um, when he said, where was that quote? One second. And there's also, man, it just reminded me of that, that clip of Victoria Osteen. Oh <laughs> she's my like, gosh. Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was man until God touched him. Oh, stop it. Just go home, <laughs> go home for real. Um, oh yeah, here it is. Edward Irving quote, all the works of Christ were done by the man who was anointed with the Holy ghost and did not, and not by the God mixing himself up with the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now a lot where a lot of the controversy comes in, like the, the people that you and I have talked to 
is they're trying to assume that we're denying the humanity of Christ and right. we're only focused on the deity of Christ. No, no. we're not. We, and oftentimes we can't even get that out in those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we yeah, can't no. even get those words out to say, no, there's, there's actually a, a phrase called the hypostatic yeah. union <laughs> that we hold to, which recognizes the two natures in the one person. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Bill Johnson goes on, he continues in his book, uh, the supernatural power of the transformed mind. He said, quote, Jesus had no ability to heal the sick. He couldn't cast out devils and he had no ability to raise the dead. He said of himself in John five nineteen, the son can do nothing apart from himself. Oh, the son can do nothing of himself. Uh, he has set aside his divinity. He put self-imposed restrictions on himself to show us that we could do it too. Jesus so emptied himself that he was incapable of doing what was required of him by the Father without the Father's help. That just shows either an absolute... No, no, I'm not even going to dignify that by saying that's ignorance. That is just straight stupid. That is... mm, Calm down, Chris. That is wrong. That is wrong. And, and, and that flies in the face of the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. That is Jesus by himself was incapable of doing what was required by him, of him, by the, uh, except by the father without the father's help. No, 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 no. Right. Now this. He and the father are one. You're forgetting that. That's right. That's right. Now this all, remember, goes back to the desire for the, 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 the person, us, the individual Someone in Bethel, this is, goes back to the desire for, for the person to be able to perform these signs and wonders. Yeah. Now, there is uh, a, a filmmaker, if any of you who came out of the Bethel movement, you know, hyper charismatic type stuff like I did, I was in a vineyard church for, for about eight years um, th- there's these movies filmmaker called, called D- his name's Darren Wilson. Um, but he did these movies called the finger of God, furious love, Holy ghost. Um, he, he, I, I want to say he recently came out with finger of God two. Now in the trailer for finger of God two, there's a clip by a man named Daniel Colinda. Now, Daniel Colinda for a long time was the right hand man to Reinhard Bonnke. Now, Daniel Colinda says in the in this trailer, you can find it on on WP Films um, on their YouTube page. He says Jesus didn't heal the sick to prove that he could. He healed the sick to prove that we could. There again, you see the wrong focus. The focus is about us yeah. with with movements like Bethel and Hillsong, and the, the 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 focus is on what we can do. It becomes all about us, and it becomes less about God. God and and Jesus in particular is our footnote in, in order for us to do these things. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, and you look at look at you know again and and. Uh, the supernatural power of the transformed mind. He says, uh, quote, we have the right to become like Christ, our elder brother. Um, and, and of course that, and that's how they, that's how they view them. Yeah. They view them yeah. as just, just an elder, someone who's a little bit bigger than us. That sounds like a lot like Jehovah's witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that, that's, that's taking 
passages of scripture way out of context. The Bible does not teach that we're the same of Jesus. Um, and, and, and when you look at each of the new Testament writers, you see that mm-hmm. you see that e- each of them has said that, you know, w- one of the things uh, I was reading uh, in, in preparation for this and it blew me away. Dr. R.C. Sproul, um, again, just a, just a, a, a brilliant mind. He, um, Jesus was definitely not like any of us. Remember uh, that for the redemption of man, the, the law had to be satisfied by a perfect man, mm-hmm. right? Not by God, not by an angel, not by um, anything. We had to be redeemed, and we were redeemed uh, by Christ's death and his life. So uh, R.C. Sproul said this. He said, quote, in one respect, Christ's sinlessness is more astonishing than his resurrection. Other people have come back from the dead, but no other person has lived a sinless life. His perfect life is amazing because none of us has ever loved the Lord with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. None of us has ever loved our neighbor as much as we loved ourselves. There is just too much sin in us being manifested every hour of every day. Mm -hmm. Close quote. We have to remember that it was in, he had no desire to sin in his human nature. Right. Um, and, and, and we are not like Jesus. If we were like Jesus and able to be like Jesus in these miracles, healing signs and wonders as the new apostolic reformations li- likes to tout, then we will also be sinless and we wouldn't need a savior. That's right. That, that, that just doesn't, from an apologetic standpoint and a reality standpoint, that just doesn't work. So what you got, brother? Right. No, I mean, I'm just thinking about the birth of Jesus, right? There's a reason why Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and not by a human father. Yes, there is. Because if Jesus were conceived by a human father and a human mother, well, then he would have been born a sinner. Correct. But he wasn't. Even from conception. That's right. He was, he was, he was sinless. That's right. That's right. That is uh, absolutely, absolutely correct. And, and of course, the, you know, the, the, the Christological... Which, which, let me... No, 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 please, go ahead. This is what makes the virgin birth necessary to be a Christian. To quote Nick Stunnikin, no virgin birth, no salvation. <laughs> we, we were talking about that the other night. <laughs> were you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm going to quote uh, Costi Hinn uh, and Anthony Wood from their book, Defining Deception, right here. And I agree wholeheartedly with this. Um, Johnson's, quote, Johnson's confusion surrounding the basic Christ, Christology alone disqualifies him as a gospel minister and demands that he must repent, close quote. Because ultimately the goal is, and we pointed it out in multiple quotes, he said it in multiple sermons. We just did a whole episode on the five-minute video for Wake Up Olive uh, and why that was wrong. The whole goal uh, is 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 pushing a, a an agenda um, that that ultimately is damning, um, uh, you know, to 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 so many, and it's heartbreaking. It really is. And I think that's you know, and, and anybody who's talked to me or listened to the podcast knows that I get fired up about this. But it's because of there are souls at stake. That's right. Um, and and real hurt is happening. Um, so. Yeah. yeah um, you know, now what we're also starting to see, because kenosis, kenotic theology is a is definitely a form of Arianism. 
we're also beginning to see that mixed with a little bit of mysticism, a little bit, I should say a lot of bit of mysticism <laughs> and some, some Gnosticism as well, especially within these hyper charismatic movements. Now, what I mean by that is you say you, 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 talk to one of these individuals, one of these leaders, and, you know, they, they tout uh, canonic theology and then you push them on it. And what do they say? Well, they say, this is what God revealed to me, right? There's that form of higher knowledge that they are, that they're at a level above where they're communicating with God. They've got the walkie talkie and they can just communicate with him and get the direct revelation, right? This is what God means when he says this. Well, we can actually know what God means because we have not just sola scriptura, but tota scriptura. We have the entirety of scripture. Now, I want to take you to a passage uh, in John chapter 8. Now, John is a very unique gospel. It's not one of, one of the synoptics. The synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, meaning they kind of follow the same pattern, the same storylines. John is one that's kind of uh, on its own. But in in the Gospel of John, you get what's called the I am statements of Christ. Now, the I am statements are very unique because these are specific statements where Jesus is calling himself God. He's referring to his deity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So people will say, you know, well, why didn't Jesus just come out and say, I'm God? Well, he did. You just have to know that that's what these are. Now, there's a specific I am statement that I want to address. Now, if you go to John chapter eight, you look at verse 58 uh, to give you some of the backstory. uh, Jesus is talking to, to some of the, uh, the, the Pharisees, right. And, and they're talking about their father, Abraham, that, you know, we're sons of Abraham and, and Moses, you know, obviously wrote the first five books. So Moses wrote about Abraham and, uh, he talks about how, how Abraham looked forward to my coming. Uh, if you were of Abraham, then you would, you would rejoice in me because I'm the one that Abraham looked to. But he says, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Ego eimi, I am. That's, that is a Greek phrase taken directly from the Greek Septuagint. Now, a lot of you may be thinking, uh, your mind immediately goes back to Exodus and the burning bush, right? Uh, Moses says, who shall I say, you know, tell them sent me. And, and God speaking through the burning bush says, tell them I am has sent you. Right. Well, don't let your mind go there yet. The first place that your mind needs to go to is through Isaiah. Now, there's there's tons of different passages uh, in Isaiah that that we could direct you to. All right. Where where this specific phrase in the Septuagint is is what John is thinking of. There's Mm -hmm. Isaiah 41, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 45, 46, 48, 51, 52, all over the place in the book of Isaiah is referring to the coming of the Messiah being the ego me, being the I am. Mm -hmm. Now, Isaiah is the direct link to the Exodus in the burning bush. But what what's unique here? He's saying, before Abraham was, ego me, I am. I am is what's called, is the utilization of what's called the tetragrammaton. Uh, 
That is the abbreviation of God in the Old Testament. Uh, the abbreviation, they would abbreviate it because they were afraid to misspell it. They, they, they didn't want to misspell it. They also never said it because they didn't want to pronounce it wrong. Uh, but it's the, the, the name Yahweh. Mm. And, and this is what D.A. Carson actually writes. He says, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase in the old Testament, there's a, a diversity of the, of the u- use of I am. And it's where Yahweh repeatedly discloses himself and reveals himself as God to the patriarchs. So God reveals himself as the I am. And what Jesus does here in John is he's taking on the name of God, of Yahweh, for himself. He's applying it to himself. This is why the Pharisees pick up stones to stone him. Mm -hmm. Because they pick up stones and he says, for which of my good deeds do you stone me? And they say, for your good deeds, we stone you not. Mm. But for you, a man, make yourself God. There you have Jesus. They knew what he meant. Jesus was saying, I am Yahweh. That's right. Yet we have people today that will say Jesus laid down his divinity and he was not God. His own words declared him to be God. And that is why the Pharisees sought to kill him. That's right. That's right. Uh, And and ultimately, um, the reason that you see so many today uh, continue to blaspheme the name of Jesus uh, to take his name in vain by attributing attributes either that are not found in Scripture to him or to take away uh, attributes from him is to to meet an, an agenda, a tradition, uh, fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it, made by man. Um, and, uh, and, and according to Scripture, we need to remember that uh, that's not a good idea. Paul was very clear in Galatians 1, uh, what would happen to those who add or take away a revelation. We see that, uh, that there are specific warnings that, that, that we get for uh, plagues that will be sent upon us for adding to or taking away from the book. Uh, uh, Paul in Galatians said that we would be anathema, accursed, damned. If anyone, an angel of angel or anyone else, um, uh, preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you read, let him be accursed. Um, and uh, we've said this multiple times: uh, Satan doesn't, the enemy doesn't come around with a, you know, dressed in a, in a in a red cape with a pitchfork with a pointy tail, saying, "Here I am, I am the devil." Uh, uh, he 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 masquerades as an angel of light. Scripture says, mm-hmm. uh, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and, and the people that would, uh, parrot this sort of, um, uh, heretical, uh, Christology, uh, any sort of heretical theology like this, it isn't, we can't make the excuse for them that they're just immature believers, especially if they're touting the name of pastor or quote unquote apostle as Bill Johnson does. Um, we, you can't accept that. You cannot accept that. You have to hold to the sufficiency of Scripture uh, and stand up and say, no, this is wrong, and we will not support that or support you. Second John says, have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with them. So it's important that we exercise discernment, uh, which is something we're going to be talking about soon. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I think it was, was, 
James Montgomery Boyce that was doing a, a piece on the radio one time where he talked about Satan's most devious plan. Uh, Satan's most devious plan would be, uh, you know, pornography would be done away with, mm-hmm. right? There, there would be no, no murder, no killings, no stealing, none, nothing like that. As long the, the the churches would be full, as long as Christ was not proclaimed. That's right. right? Now that's Christ. Now, if you've read Boyce, okay, when he says as long as Christ is not proclaimed, he's not talking about just just the name of Christ. He's talking about the person and work of Jesus Christ within the nature of both God and man justification, sanctification, imputation, the divinity, the fullness thereof of Christ. Well, that's right. And uh, I mean, scary part out about about this kind of that right there and this kind of teaching is the fact that it isn't just it also isn't just the the Bill Johnsons and the Bethels and the the the, right. the blatant Roman Catholic, you know, that we talked about earlier, the Roman Catholic teaching. It's the it's the seeker sensitive churches who don't preach the full gospel. It's the seeker sensitive churches who uh, tell you not to pray uh, because people might be offended, even though they're at a church event. It's the, mm-hmm. it, it, it's pragmatism versus truth. Um, right. it's, it's, it's the people that say we don't need doctrine. We just need right. love. That's we right. need to go out and yeah. we need to love people because that's what Jesus would do. Yeah. Well, how do you know that you have to have doctrine? Um, right. you know, so, so yeah, man. So I, I thought, you know, it's wrapping up here. Um, I thought I, I just, I'd love to read that, uh, the Ligonier statement of Christology again. Um, to wrap us up. And if you guys didn't hear it last time, uh, this is, uh, this is awesome. Um, this is the Ligonier statement of Christology on Chris, sorry, the Ligonier statement on Christology says, quote, we confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh and rejoice in the, in our great salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord with the father and the Holy spirit, the son created all things, sustains all things and makes all things new. Which, hold on, time. Think about this. Think about this, okay? Jesus is the one that sustains all things by the word of his mouth. Yet, him coming into time, right, as as both God and man, is still able to sustain all things. That's right. Power. That's called Think power. Think about that. Yeah. Think about it. Let that blow your mind. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Yep. No, no, no. No apologies. That's awesome. Truly God, he became truly man, two natures in one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us, crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. For us, he kept the law, atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. He is our prophet, priest, and king, building his church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we hope we've demonstrated well enough how Arianism is making its way uh, into the church, some things that you can spot, uh, some some kind of key phrases that are pulled right from the Bethel playbook. Uh, and 
Oh, goodness. But we just, man, it's almost like every episode, we got to get a Bethel in there. (laughs) I'm really trying not to because I don't want people to go, oh, gosh, there they go again. Here he goes again. Uh, But it's it's active, man. It's active heresy. It's it's happening right now. So anyway. And it's important because that is the most that's the place we see this heresy the most active and that is the most growing movement yeah today yep that's why it's is that's why we need to bring attention to it because it's so dangerous that's right and, and like you said earlier souls are at stake yep so but with that we are going to get out of here uh head on over to iTunes leave us a five star rating leave us a comment uh a nice comment or make it mean one i don't i don't care but (laughs) if you're gonna leave a mean one you have to leave five stars bro i mean come on yep and don't delete it just because we want to talk to you yeah yeah and don't delete it i mean come on if you're gonna make it leave it yep stand by it you know what i'm saying that's it you don't don't throw a brick and then hide your hand there you go there you go but anyways we're getting out of here we'll see you guys on the next one see ya